Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Good morning and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four. College sports with a Midwest perspective and a bit of a goofy side. If you look to the far right, <laughs> if you're joining us on video, where we got a hamburger hat on top of Sam Sprunger cheeseburger. It's important clarification. Thank yes. you so much for that. Yes. Um, for those lactose intolerant. And, can, and Sam, I'm pretty sure McDonald's is going to demonetize us. They already have the Hamburglar. <laughs> you cannot copy it. it is I didn't copyrighted. say I was stealing nothing. <laughs> Well, can we at least uh, understand why we're being blessed with the presence of the cheeseburger hat? Uh, felt like uh, the right thing to do. Fair. You know, you're just working with your gut. I get that. That's right. So, Sometimes it's just reaction. Yeah. <laughs> That's Sam Sprunger over there. Tony Hollinsworth in the middle, if you're still with us on video. Uh, Dalton Shetler on the far side, and that's me. Um, as we mentioned... Sweat. From the top, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. All right, we are getting down the home stretch of the Big Ten football season. Uh, Big Ten basketball is really revved up. We haven't seen much to really be able to decipher much. It's been a lot of lowly competition so far across the Big Ten in both men's and women's basketball, but we can maybe talk a little bit about that later on. But I think maybe the more interesting fellas uh, thing, fellas, is looking at Big Ten football, we've kind of been pointing to the soap opera that the Big Ten West is uh, on a week-in, week-out basis. And we had been saying, okay, circle the calendar, November 12th. That's the day the Big Ten West is going to be decided. Either Purdue's going to get in the driver's seat or Illinois is just going to have the inside track and they're off and running and, and maybe just end up clinching the Big Ten West division title. What we didn't foresee is the Illini and the Boilermakers stubbing their toe last week in somewhat brutal fashions. And all of a sudden, the Big Ten West is really, really mucky. So we'll we'll talk about that. And and I suppose let's start opening up there. Iowa and Purdue, the Boilermakers, one of those teams we talk about stubbing their toe, they lose to the Iowa Hawkeyes 24-3. Uh, And for those new to the program, as Sam says, shame on you. But also, Sam is a Purdue fan. So, Sam, help explain here. What's going on with the Boilermakers? I cannot explain what in the world happened last week. That Iowa's offense looked like it was actually a decent offense. It did. And and that is a knock on Purdue's defense because they'd been not the greatest but they'd been formidable and and while they may have been the weaker side of the football for for Purdue they'd at least been good enough to keep it close to where the offense could take you know take the game they didn't show up and and yes 50 mile an hour wind gusts pouring rain that affects you but it affects both teams they're not the only team playing in this weather so that I, I don't have an explanation but let me say to that point, Purdue's not built to play in that kind of weather. Sure, and 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 I Iowa is that. Yeah, right. They well, they don't throw the ball much. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> kind of my point. Right. And and but the thing is, is Purdue doesn't have when they utilize it doesn't have the most god awful rushing attacks. But 
I guess maybe that is uh, is a tip to the cap to the Iowa defense on that one because they weren't they didn't allow Purdue to get their running game going and didn't allow. I mean, I I can't imagine a a very strong throw heavy offense having to deal with a fifty mile an hour wind the whole game. So Tony. while there might be a little bit, sorry, I don't, uh, I'll, I'll be done here. So while I don't <laughs> completely go, oh my dear God, what in the world, the end of the world is here, it still is a concern. Tony? I don't know. You might have to because, I mean, Iowa's offense actually came back from the dead, which is which is kind of a miracle. Um, it, it took 50-mile-an-hour winds and a rainstorm for that to happen, Tony. <laughs> hey, they need a little bit of help from the elements, from the outside, okay? Um, I do want to say real quick, uh, kind of a little bit off topic, happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there, no matter yes. what branch you're in, no matter you know how long you serve. Thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for everything you've done. Today is your day. You know, please be recognized for it. Um, anyway, back to the serious stuff. Iowa's offense came back, and it and it's kind of surprising. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on. Like, you can't just blow through that, Tony. You can't say back to the serious stuff. <laughs> Iowa's offense. That's Iowa's offense. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, I say that because it was like almost perfectly balanced. It was just a few yards of like even and even for both passing and rushing. Because Petrus threw for 192 yards. I think that's like a career high for him this year. It's like 192 yards. Huh? I said it's at least the season high. And I do know they hit for a couple of like screen plays that ended yeah. up with 40 and 50 yard totals. So yeah. that that kind of, you know, is, yeah, Petrus gets the credit for the yards, but it was the move and lack of defense that gave him the, the total amount of yards for the play. Yeah. And Caleb Johnson, now I know on here the rushing stats are a little bit weird because it says overall Iowa rushed for 184 yards, but it has Caleb Johnson's yards as 200. Correct. So, so yeah, really it was just Iowa kind of played really just old school football of a stifling defense, you know, make the other team either run the ball or throw it. You don't get to pick both. You have to do one or the other. And then we're just going to run the ball down your throat. Purdue decided to do neither. Yeah, Purdue said no. And, and it's crazy, too, because Purdue penalty-wise, you know, was pretty decent. They had four penalties, 31 yards. Iowa had six for 60. And really, the only thing that, to me, probably hurt Purdue more than anything was the two interceptions. Because other than yeah. that, this... Well, this one was... was... It, both of them were in the red zone, I think, weren't they? Or at least down that way? I know I one think. was, at least. I think. Um... But I mean, overall, you know, this game was actually a lot closer than than what the scoreboard makes it seem. I mean, time of possession, first downs, really a lot of the yard. It's it's a lot closer than what it looks like. It is it is kind of surprising that you know Purdue did kind of fall this badly to really an Iowa team that we've poked fun at all year, but we duly rightfully right. owed though too. Oh, one hundred percent, it is rightfully <laughs> owed, but. It, you know, it is it is also the epitome of the Big Ten West, though, that it's literally been anybody's division every time all three of us have had the general consensus. Like when we first started, Illinois is not going to be here. There's no possible way Illinois is going to be here. <laughs> Look where we are now. We're like Minnesota is going to get it. Nope. Nebraska is going to get it. Nope. Purdue might still get it but there's a lot of question marks with Purdue. Ooh, I was waiting for you to say nope, and I was going to jump on you. 
hey, hey, we'll talk about it here a little bit. They're still in contention. So, I mean, they may, they may. Who knows? It's Big Ten West. It is a coin flip at this point. Well, and and the other part that kind of made this real interesting is at home, Illinois. I mean, the the momentum is riding sky high in Champaign, and here comes a bit of a wounded Michigan State team. Spartans having suspensions, coming off of a loss. Uh, they haven't really been up to to the expectations they've set in front of themselves throughout this year. And Michigan State comes in to Champaign and knocks off the Illini. I, I suppose, Tony, we can start with you since you have the Michigan State affiliation or fan interest, we should say. Um, what happened in Champaign? I, you know, that's kind of the funny part. I didn't get to catch a lot of this game, unfortunately. And... This is one when you when you look at it from a stats perspective. Again, this had to be mainly more you know Michigan State capitalizing on turnovers. Illinois had 441 total yards to Michigan State's 294, mm-hmm. and, and Michigan State had seven penalties for 77 yards, held the ball for less, same amount of turnovers, and still for whatever reason came out with the win. Uh, against Illinois. I mean, Peyton Thorne didn't necessarily have a great game. He didn't have a bad game. He threw 182 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, you know, Berger ended up running for 81 yards. Jalen Berger ran for 81 yards, which isn't mm-hmm. terrible. Um, but but that probably is what surprised me the most is that Michigan State was able to win, considering they had all of these suspensions. They're having to rally from, you know, really, as, as Dalton and I know, a, a BS Michigan game that they that they really gave the Wolverines probably their toughest test all year aside from Rutgers in the first half of of, of last week because Rutgers and Maryland yeah we're gonna be the better team but at least for <laughs> like 30 minutes after that you you guys could take back over um so it, it's really the biggest surprise and even though he did have a great game in Tommy DeVito it is sad to say I did get word from Danny DeVito. He is copywriting his name, so Tommy is going to have to change it. So wow, sucks to suck, man. Gotta gotta figure out something else. You can be DeVita, <laughs> but you're not DeVito. <laughs> this automatically got him exiled from the DeVito, the DeVito clan, the legacy. That's that's something. Sam, what did you take from this? I it, it 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 so is it's so west of Illinois to do this because you're absolutely right. Michigan State was had suspensions. They just come off a loss to a a, a rival, a big rival. Uh, Illinois riding high, still like basically cruising to the point where they're like, oh my gosh, Purdue might lose this game, and then they went and just laid an egg and i i didn't see it coming because michigan state while they played decent against michigan they lost a lot from it because of the 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 kerfuffle in the tunnel that's mm-hmm. what i'm gonna call it now the kerfuffle in the tunnel <laughs> um but they and so you there was no rhyme nor reason for someone other than a diehard Michigan State fan to expect Michigan State to win. And I don't even know that the diehards thought it was going to happen. Right. No, and, and I think that's that's kind of accurately sums that. You know what's really interesting about this one is afterwards talking with some of the folks that kind of hang around the uh, Illinois program. So what happened here? And 
you know, Tony at the beginning of this started working through the stats, and he's right. Illinois dominated so many different stat categories, but the Illini will point to one that really bit them here, and they say it's kind of been biting them this season, and they wondered just at what point would it cost them, and that was the red zone. Four trips to the red zone, one time did they come away with points. One out that. of four. And, and and that's ultimately where they landed. They said, look, that that's really the game. MSU made plays with their backs against the wall and that and inside the 20 defensively, and Illinois didn't convert. And when you lose by what was it, just one possession, wasn't it? 23 yeah, 15. It on 23 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, even if they come out with field goals those other three times, they win the game. Yeah. That's what Michigan State did to Michigan. Honestly, Michigan State's deep at some point, like inside the 20, needs to be uh, applauded because for whatever reason, it just turned into a stone wall in the red zone. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, all the other concerns go out the window. And like when they played Michigan, I, they forced the Wolverines to five field goals in route to their, their 29 points. And one of the other touchdowns when the ball was at the, I think, eight-yard line when they started to drive. So, like, yeah. Michigan State's defense has done a really nice job when they get kind of put into the corner. Nobody nobody puts Mel Tucker in the corner. Um, <laughs> but, but that's really kind of what people are pointing at for Illinois. So now, Illinois and Purdue stubbed their toes. We'll talk a little bit more about what the Big Ten West means this weekend. But first, also in the Big Ten West, Northwestern and the windy city that is Chicago. They host Ohio State this past weekend, and... For about a quarter, I was like, well, isn't this kind of fun? Ohio State <laughs> hanging around with Northwestern. Yeah, it's cute. It's fun. I get it in hanging this. with Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, thank you. That's actually yeah. how I meant to word that. Um, <laughs> I but, hate being that guy. No, but it's a it's a good correction. <laughs> but And then it kind of drug a little bit further, and you're like, okay. Then you get into the third quarter, and you even start to flip it to the fourth, and, and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way, right, Northwestern – is the team that beats Ohio State in route to their their unblemished season here this year. Um, but finally, the Buckeyes pull it out, but this was a close one. What do you take away from this one about Ohio State? Is there reason to concern, or do you chalk this up to the weather and Mother Nature? Sam's vigorously shaking his head. No, now yes to Mother Nature, so why don't you start? Yes. I this is honestly this is why I'm not freaking out about Purdue and Iowa. The same reason is the the weather. You've got to take it into consideration. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter how well a machine is running. There's going to be some sort of condition that's going to slow it down in some aspects. It sure as hell wasn't Northwestern. It was the weather. Mother Nature played better defense than Northwestern did. Now Northwestern benefited from that. And kept it a game, but at no point, I, I honestly, I listened to portions of this. I was driving and was able to listen to it since I'm in Ohio. It's on basically every radio station. Paul Keels. Um, um, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, it, it didn't sound like Northwestern was in control. It was just Ohio State kept spinning its wheels and just couldn't get things going. So honestly, I think you put any team in that position. And it's going, it's any better team than Northwestern, which is 13 other teams in the Big Ten this year, it seems. Um, you're going to have them struggle. And I just don't, I don't, I don't give any credence. Now, if it was a bright, sunshiny day, no wind, and it's 7 7 going into the third, then I'm concerned. 
mm-hmm. because that offense doesn't have its conditions to do what it needs to do. The defense played fine. It was the offense that had the issue. So I, I'm not concerned uh, that this was a 7-7 game at half or ended 21-7. Tony? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm not really freaking out, although I don't know if, if anybody has looked at the stats. The eerie similarness in this is crazy. I thought you were saying Lake Erie at first. Go on. A little bit, a little bit. I mean, it is the Midwest. It it would fit, right? So CJ Stroud was 10 of 26, only threw for 76 yards. You know, Ryan Helinski ended up actually, you know, getting, I don't know if he got hurt, if he got benched or what. Um, I only saw that he had, he had three pass attempts. He didn't complete any of them. Uh, so Brendan Sullivan comes in. He goes 10 of 14 for 79 yards. And then as a whole, Northwestern ran for 206 yards. And as a whole, Ohio State ran for 207. So stats-wise, this was literally mirrored of each other. Um, but no, I'm I'm not necessarily worried because, I mean, as college football fans, when people look at it, and I know a lot of people kind of downed Ohio State because they didn't just absolutely dominate Northwestern. Again, sunshiny day, you know, maybe a little bit of wind, something like that. Yeah, this is probably like a 63-7 to route for Ohio State. Did you guys see the practice field goal the place kicker for Ohio State had? Ruggles. From about, what, 45 yards. He kicks the living daylights out of it, and it's going and then just boom, falls. It was that was that those were the conditions they were playing in. And the best was him laughing it off after. Oh, yeah. He's like, no. Because you you know for him, he's like, well, I ain't kicking no field goals today. All I got to worry about is the extra point. Let me start stretching so I can do some warm-ups or for some fake field goals. Right. But, but, uh, um, stop it. Somebody got, somebody got a video going. Stop it. Um, but, but no, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people, of course, kind of bash them and, We'll probably talk about this in a little bit, the whole college football playoff ranking and if Ohio State really deserves to be at two because of this or not. This is one of those, you know, how many times as college football fans have we ever seen this poor of weather in some type of playoff game or some type of playoff capacity? Very rarely, maybe towards the end in the Big Ten, because again, a lot of them are open stadiums. It's not like the South where the weather is typically a lot better or they're in some type of a dome structure. So so this is one I it's just a flu. Again, this is the most Big Ten thing you can think of. It's the most Big Ten West thing you can think of for Northwestern probably to like puff their chest out, like, yeah, we got the same stats as Ohio State. <laughs> We almost did it. We're purple we're, lost two we're like Globo gyms. Okay, we're better than you, and we know it. Like that's that's how I feel like Northwestern is. They're Nobody Globo makes gyms. Me bleed my own blood. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. That is a Dalton. movie I need to rewatch soon. I was going to say, the- Dalton, you, you've seen this one. Oh, big time. That's that's one of my favorites. They got lasers, lasers on cat tasers. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. Dodgeball. Um, but it's it's interesting. I, I talked with um, Tim May from Letterman Row, and he's covered Ohio State football for more than four decades. So like the guy is one of the dudes to talk and know about Ohio State football. And I I, I kind of post to him the narrative or question that's out there that. You know, you go back to the end of last year and Michigan was able to kind of bully the Buckeyes around a little bit. And now Ohio State in a bad weather game struggles. 
there's the narrative or the the theory out there. Maybe Ohio State just isn't tough enough. And what his answer was, was this game was like Muhammad Ali in his prime. And you say, okay, why don't you beat this other boxer with one arm tied behind your back? And he still does it. Like, that's the type of credit we should be giving Ohio State uh, with, with this win was kind of his response. But he also said, look, there's no great answer to your question. Like, right. we, we don't know how tough or necessarily how great of a football team Ohio State is. We know they're uber talented, but we won't know until November 26th what Ohio State is in terms of toughness, characteristics, and whatnot, because nobody else has been even close talent-wise that shared a field with them this season. And we're going to have a great game when Ohio State hosts Michigan to end that regular season. But outside of that, like there's no way to really tell. The Big Ten is having a down year, and there's nobody close in terms of talent to Ohio State. Is this the reason why uh, the Big Ten struggles in the playoff as much as they have because literally the team that's representing the Big Ten in the playoff doesn't really get hugely tested until right at the end of the season? I was going to say, I think so, because... Uh... One of, one of the radio hosts that I listened to, he, he kind of pointed that out about how, you know, college football, you don't have a lot of these big marquee matchup games. And if you do, where are they normally at as far as overall teams? It's in the SEC. And I will say as much as, you know, the SEC does have a lot of bias and whatnot, you know, and I, I, I wanted to talk about this so bad at the beginning of the shows, but I couldn't, um, you know. Yo, LSU came in and we beat Bama. Okay, go Tigers. Okay, the Tigers came in and they beat Bama. So, you know, you, you look at something like that. You know, LSU had a loss to Tennessee, a loss to Florida State, who mm-hmm. I think is like 25 now, like they're bottom of the AP polls. And, you know, same with Tennessee. Like they finally lost to the number one team. But the fact that you had, you know, number one versus number three at some point. So all of these teams are actually being battle tested and whatnot throughout the conference. Look at the Big Ten. I mean, how many of these marquee matchups do we ever have? And really at the SEC for the most part. Got one coming this weekend. True, true. Both both ranked like it's in like the top. Oh, the we're going that yeah. route. Oh, sorry. <laughs> know, I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But but no, he he did bring it up because I mean, how how many times yeah. in the Big Ten really are teams tested? Yeah, but because, like, let you me... get maybe what one two big matchups, and that one big matchup for sure is going to be for the Big Ten championship. It's like it's not it, a big kind matchup all the time, even though exactly. So it's like I, it's not that I don't think Ohio State couldn't do it. And it's not that I don't think the Big Ten isn't talented or doesn't have the talent. It's just it it's so Big Ten that some of these teams lose games just unexpected. I mean, look at Illinois, mm-hmm. for example. Illinois yeah. could be a great example of, okay, you know, Michigan has faced a ranked uh, Penn State team because that, that's another thing is they're like, okay, well, what's what's been Michigan and Ohio State's strength of schedule? It's like, okay, well, if Michigan's uh, – not Michigan. If Illinois would have won this game against Michigan State – they come in with one loss. Okay, this is going to be a true test for Michigan, where it's like, okay, now, eh, they they just got to get past Illinois. That, that's What's not the difference though this time? Honestly, though, if you're going to say that that one loss to Michigan State doesn't make them a test, then what would it have taken? What literally it would have been okay and been a tough test for Michigan had Illinois beat Michigan State? Are they a different team because they lost to Michigan State? Not necessarily, but in the manner of people. 
again, in the matter of perception. how people are going to uh, perception, people are going to look at it is okay. Now they have to face a two loss Illinois team that had, you know, again, we can call it a fluke loss at the beginning of the season. Maybe they're knocking off some of the rest and whatnot. They could maybe get a pass from, you know, having lost to Indiana. Would Michigan get the pass from, from if they would have lost to Michigan State, you know, oh, no. you know, windstorm? No. Nope, they would not have got and, and and see that that is the other thing is there there is that like weird bias of okay well if Illinois does it it's eh, okay you know this isn't really a test for Michigan but if Michigan does it because again the expectations are higher like if you're Michigan you're ranked in the top five and you lose to an unranked you know Big Ten rival they because they won't ever keep that into consideration of well this is a rivalry team it's always a tough game this isn't something they should just take lightly if they lose then yeah it's basically Michigan's out of the playoff race essentially for them until they face Ohio State now if they face Ohio State they're back if they win then they're back in but if not then they're basically out Don't, but let me let me say this real quick before we end up wrapping because I know we're a little heavy here in this first yeah. quarter. Um, to Sam's question, though, about the college football playoff in the Big Ten overall in it, in its entire history, I mean, this year's a bit of an outlier in terms of how low the talent is in the Big Ten. Last right. year, the Iowa Hawkeyes, the team that we keep poking fun at, like that team was ranked second in the country. Michigan yeah. State climbed as high as three. Penn State's been up there challenging. Ohio State, mm-hmm. Michigan, uh, Wisconsin has been in the conversation year in, year out for a, a stretch of time now. And now we're, we have a really down year in the Big Ten. It, it kind of happens. But I think ultimately the Big Ten, it's, it's play style, the culture, the kind of lifestyle. I don't really know how you explain it. But what it is on a week-in, week-out basis, it's different than what it is in the rest of the country. However you explain that. And the thing to remember about Ohio State, Ohio State, a couple of few years back, quit building to win the Big Ten. They started building to win it all. Right. They want to go to the college football playoff and win it all. And the the goal is we're going to throw this uber-talented team out, and we're just going to try and survive the, the just grind, gritty, rusty Big Ten gauntlet schedule that is week in, week out, and all the different teams and how they play and Mother Nature, this game with Northwestern, like it's just about surviving really the Big Ten and all these different little, uh, I suppose, opponents that come up and try and grab your ankles and pull you down as you're heading to that college football playoff. But with the receivers, the talent they throw out there, the speed they throw out there, the athleticism they throw out there, they're trying to win it all. That's why Ryan Day acted so fast in that offseason. He said, this defense isn't good enough. We got beat down by Michigan in the trenches. We're going to fix that. He brings in Jim Knowles. You see an immediate improvement. Like, it's clear. The goals for Ohio State are to beat Michigan at the end of the year and get into the college football playoff and win it. It, It's Mm -hmm. We talk – Sam mentions all the time when it comes to Big Ten basketball, the big focus is winning the regular season, which I think is still true for programs in in the Big Ten in basketball. For Ohio State in football, that's not the goal. Right now it's to beat Michigan because they're pretty pissed off about what happened last year. And second, it's to go win the whole thing. And they and they yeah. kind of already have that preconceived notion, right, wrong, or indifferent. But we talked last week that the West has always been kind of the little brother division that they aren't concerned. If they beat Michigan, they're winning the Big Ten. That's kind of their thought is mm-hmm. that is the Big Ten championship game. So they win it, they go, they go, they're going to the playoff more than likely. Um, I, I 
and so I, I get what you're saying. And I honestly, I'm pick. I, I think still to this time, I say Ohio State's the best team in the in the country. But that I mean, but my question was is you know that that you know there's all these questions, all these questions because Ohio State's not playing. You know, they're not playing a Texas A&M team that could beat them you know, mm-hmm. like Alabama is. They're not playing a Tennessee team that could beat them, you know, yep. like Alabama is. Whereas they come in, if let's say Alabama's only got one loss and Ohio State and Alabama come in and play each other, I would almost go on a, I don't even think it's a limb. Alabama's probably favored in that game. I think Just they are. Of, I, 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 knowing, knowing what people, you know, think of Alabama, I don't think so. I like Ohio State. I'm just saying if they were at one loss and Ohio State was undefeated, I wouldn't be shocked if if Alabama were were favored because they go strength the schedule or whatever. This year. Yeah. Well, maybe well again, not this, this year. This, yeah. I, I think I, I'm I'm going traditional. Oh, if we're going yeah. macro tradition, yeah. I get that. Yeah, that's what I, I, I thought with. we were talking yeah. this year because no, I'm no, like, no, well, no, I, yeah. I could pick that I'm using, one. Okay. I'm yeah. using this year as the example for the whole stretch. You know what I mean? So, well, and honestly, yeah, and honestly, Sam, to to kind of you know strengthen your point, had so say Alabama hadn't lost to LSU, even with the fact that they're one of the most penalized teams in the country, they have one of the most abysmal defenses Alabama has ever had under Nick mm-hmm. Saban throughout his entire coaching career. At Alabama, they probably still would just because of strength of schedule and just because there is a bit of media bias for Bama. You know, they're going to be like, they've got the, they've got the experience, you know, they've got this, they've got Nick Saban, they've got all of these different factors of, you know, they're battle tested and whatnot. So I, I honestly think again, in a perfect world, had they not lost to LSU and not have two losses currently, I, I truly do. I think the media bias would give them an edge over Ohio state. And I will say to the big tens credit, you know, I do think that these teams are not only more talented, I do think it's harder for them to play in the big 10. Mainly because, again, like I mentioned earlier with the South, how many times do you ever really have bad weather? And what's your worst mm-hmm. weather you're going to have in the South? You're going to have a rainy mud game that you can it, – it's going to be difficult, but you can overcome. You don't have to worry as much about the wind. You don't have to worry about the freezing temperatures. You don't have to worry about the snow. Like You don't have to worry about any of that in the SEC, whereas the Big Ten – if it's snowing in Michigan, it's probably going to snow in Ohio. If it's <laughs> snowing in Ohio, it's definitely snowing up in Michigan and Illinois and Wisconsin, like all these different places. So, I mean, th- to me, I think that's what you know gives should give the Big Ten a little bit more credit is they're more open stadiums in crappy weather. And you know, if a team still manages to win forty-five to seven when it's you know crap temperatures and crap conditions, that should say something. Because how many times does the SEC ever have to say that? It's Not a true. whole lot. All right. We, we got to get moving to the second quarter. We are heavy here in this first. Heavy. We got to preview what's happening with the Big Ten West after this for the second. Second quarter, the Big Ten West Super Bowl, or at least that's what we thought it was going to be, Illinois and Purdue. Uh, what's interesting, we mentioned they both stubbed their toes in last weekend. If I now take a look at the West Division, I got the standings in front of me. Illinois is four and two. Iowa, Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all three in three. A four-way tie for second. Nebraska, two and four. Northwestern, one and five. What's really interesting about this, let's play the hypothetical here that Purdue beats Illinois. That would mean Purdue is four and three. 
Illinois is four and three. Iowa and Wisconsin play each other this weekend, and somebody's going to have to win that game. So one of those two teams will also be four and three. And both of those will have a tiebreaker over Purdue, but I believe not against Illinois. Right. And right. and by the way, Minnesota is taking on Northwestern. Let's assume and play the likelihood that they win that game. They're four and three. If Purdue wins this game, we're more than likely looking at a four-way tie with two weeks to go in the Big Ten West. I mean, this is this is a pretty big deal. Now, on the other side, if Illinois wins it, they, they're one win away, either Michigan or Northwestern, from clinching the Big Ten West division. So really, everybody, if they have their hopes up, they kind of need Purdue to win this game and muck this thing up. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, but how do we see this one playing out? Go ahead, Tony. Oh, you don't want to go for it? This is your team. That sounded right? painful. This that sounded like that. I'm trying you. to construct my thoughts. Okay. 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 Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. I. So, in case anybody doesn't know, as of right now, Illinois is projected to win by 65.5%. Like they're that's that's the win total percentage out of this. The spread is Illinois by six and a half, and the over-under is 44.5. So they're expecting a you know decently high scoring game, at least three touchdowns-ish from from each. I I honestly I could see that. I could probably see this coming down to the wire. Um Sam, this this is probably going to hurt a little bit, buddy. No, I I'm gonna say I'm 20, used to you dumping on Purdue all year, so I don't care. <laughs> I thought say, you're gonna say you're used to being hurt. <laughs> that that too. I'm a, a Cubs fan, Dalton. Come on, he's a Cubs fan. He's a fan of the Bears. Uh, yep. So you know, it's it's been a painful year. I'm glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> I I'm gonna say 24-21 Illinois. Like I I feel like this comes down to somebody has to kick a field goal in order to take home the win. Okay. Sam? Okay. Uh, here's the thing. I, I, you, you know I'm going to pick Purdue. You know this. But it's mm-hmm. not just me being the homer that I am. I, I think that Purdue is, is, is going to win this game. I, they, they, they can't. I mean, and, and if they don't, they deserve to finish right above Nebraska. I like that. Because they have had everything in, in their hands, the schedule warmed up to, or you know, saddled up for them to basically just be able to take the West. Uh, you know, the down year we've talked about. Yes, we we, we have that and everything, but it it was set up for them, and they're they Aiden O'Connell is too good to look that bad three weeks in a row. Um, I, I just don't see that happening. I don't know that they're going to establish a running game more than what they do any other game, but I don't, I just, I, I cannot see Purdue doing it three weeks in a row after the way they played against Penn state and kind of threw up on themselves. They, they beat themselves. Mm-hmm. They got beat by Wisconsin and be it be it the the weather or whatever they got beat by Iowa. Now they did give some to Iowa, but I I didn't see enough from their offense to say that they were going to be competitive. It was just close ish, you know, as close as three touchdowns can be. But 
I the way they've played most of the year, unless it's just my homerism totally shading over what they really are, uh, I, I think Purdue bounces back. And it's funny because you talk a little bit about Aiden O'Connell. Of course, he hasn't played his best football recently, as right. you mentioned. And when we were talking with uh, play-by-play voice for Purdue, Tim Newton, earlier this week, uh, we are kind of talking about this game. He said, look, this is one of those games you need your great player to be great. Yep. Our great player is Aiden O'Connell. And and if we're going to win this game, you need him to be great, which he's he capable to throw of. throw for 500 yards. I mean, like, like not necessarily that high of an amount, but like that type of game. Like he's just out of his mind throwing all over the place. Charlie Jones goes for buck 80, 200. You know what? That is the type of game Purdue has to have to beat Illinois. Tony, I think, anything? I, I personally think it's going to happen. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I think so, yeah. Uh, the, and this is one of those two, to me, <clears throat> you know, because Purdue has the talent. Like, they have the yeah. ability to win this game for sure. Now, the other question is, to me, because of not only the loss, really, to uh, Michigan State, but, you know, can Illinois' defense hang with an offense like Purdue's? Cause if to, it's clicking, you're right. Yeah, if it's clicking, I mean, this is one of the best defenses in the country. Yep. Rank rank wise, this is one of the best defenses in the country going up again. Like Sam said, when it's clicking, one of the most potent offenses really yeah. in the country mm-hmm. and even in the Big Ten. So that that to me is what's really going to make this interesting is can can Illinois defense, you know, can Illinois defense really do the job and can Purdue's offense, you know, be in rhythm? Because really, that's all it's going to take. Purdue's defense doesn't really have to be in a great rhythm. As long as their offense is clicking, I, you got to give Purdue a chance. And well, again, it, it, if Purdue's defense is operational, <laughs> yeah, they weren't operating against Illinois, or Iowa. If they're operational, they'll 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 bode better than they did last mm-hmm. week. Well, and part of the concern is you give up 200 yards to Caleb Johnson. What do you do with Chase Brown uh, going against your defense, who's the nation's number one rusher? So that's one of the other storylines to watch. And again, as we said, just a, a reminder for the listeners: Illinois wins. They're one win away from clinching the Big Ten West. Purdue wins, and we just seep into madness. If Purdue wins, I would not be shocked to see Iowa win the damn West. Honestly, I would. It's possible. It's possible. We talked about it. We talked about it that it is. They were still in the race. Back to back champs. And that would be the poster child for revamping the divisions if they stick with them. (laughs) Actually, you know what? I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to give Purdue this game just because it will be the most (laughs) Big Ten West thing to happen, and Iowa will win the flipping division. It'll happen. (laughs) Nope. Nebraska's going to come back and win it. Yeah, Nebraska wins out the rest of the year and just gets it. (laughs) So we all want Boiler up just so we can really just dive into the minutiae of Big Ten tiebreaker rules and no, just I want Purdue drama. to win for a much different reason, Dalton. Well, Tony and I want <laughs> just to, to root for the perversion of Big Ten football. <laughs> just to cause chaos. Like, that, that's really <laughs> the only thing. Just to cause chaos. <sighs> Alright, well, real quick, before we wrap up and get to halftime, the Heartland Trophy's up for grabs. Yeah. We mentioned it. Iowa and Wisconsin take to the field. Both these teams, three and three. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose. Somebody moves to four and three. And as we said, if Purdue wins, it will create a three, maybe four-way tie for first in the Big Ten West. But both of these teams have to, well, if Minnesota beats Northwestern, it'd be a four-way tie, Sam. So that's why I went. No, no, no. You're right. Three weeks ago. Okay. 
we had both these teams written off. Out, yeah. Yeah. They weren't even in consi- We had them so far down. Wisconsin doesn't have a head coach. Right. They they have an interim. <laughs> they fired their head coach after getting beat by Illinois. The best arguably the best team one of the best team in the West. They fired him. They are now in contention to potentially take the West. How Big Ten is that? I love Especially it. West, Big Ten yeah. West this year. It's it's I think Wisconsin wins this game because of what their defense did against Purdue. They shut down Aiden O'Connell, who was not playing is is not playing his best going into this week, but they they were the start of we're shutting him down. You know, that game wasn't as close as what it was at the end of the game. There was I mean Purdue was down by three touchdowns, 21 to nothing against Wisconsin. So that tells me that their defense is strong enough. I'm going to say the offensive output by Iowa was an anomaly, and that ain't happening this week. Okay. And I think it's going to be enough for Wisconsin to go into Kinnick and win. Tony has a personal vendetta against the entire state of Wisconsin. <laughs> Are you taking them here? Or? Yes, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Come on, dude. And, and it's funny because that's like that's like me drafting a, a Green Bay Packer for my fantasy team. I don't do that. I, I would never do that either because that's just, that's just gross. Especially now, there's no good Packers at the moment because um, it's not Aaron Rodgers. Uh, even even ESPN doesn't really know what to make of this game because they only have Wisconsin winning by fifty one point five percent. There's a forty eight point five percent chance Iowa. Win. The spread is negative one and a half. <laughs> not even and a you field three, goal so wisconsin's field favored goal. by one and a half is that what you're yes. saying yes. so iowa yes. gets three just going into being a home team <laughs> yes yes wow. so that 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 to me i i'm gonna say wisconsin purely because even though iowa's defense is stifling i think wisconsin's defense is just gonna you know Again, they were able to shut down Purdue and Aiden O'Connell in pretty decent weather. It's not like anything crazy happened, like Sam said, because they had Mother Nature with like probably fifty plus, you know, mile an hour winds. Iowa was like, "Oh, look at the ball! It's moving and it's moving <laughs> forward." Oh my God, the receiver caught it. <laughs> I'm wondering how Iowa's fans handled last Saturday because they didn't see that much movement forward except for punts most of the time this year. Exactly. So, I mean. <laughs> Did they think that those big screen plays that got them 50 yards, did they think that was a punt? Like, did they, did we just punt? Maybe. Punt? Or maybe, who knows, maybe the state of Iowa got more, you know, UFO calls. Like, hey, 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 hey. There's, there's stuff there's in the air. We don't know moving. what it is. It's, it's Iowa's moving this brown thing, and we don't know how they're doing it. We're so confused. Oh, got to But, yeah, that. I as much as it pains me to say it, I'm going to have to go with, with whiskey and as much as I, I hate to say it. All right, so they're gonna gonna party hardy tonight with 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 old Jeff, (laughs) cheese and beer. (laughs) So a couple of votes for Wisconsin. It's it's just fascinating. I have zero confidence in Iowa. Have you guys seen the Joker with Joaquin Phoenix, the one that came out a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we you, we probably saw it relatively close to its release, Dalton. I know you probably saw it last week, but <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. But you know, towards the end, when 
the Joker really starts to kind of inspire this crowd of degenerates or whatever you want to call them. And they're, they're getting into the streets and they're, they're kind of partying and society kind of flips on its head. That's kind of what the big 10 West feels like to me. Like this is, this is kind of the mood, just everybody kind of riding in the streets and just absolute anarchy. That's why I think it'll be one of these two teams that takes the West. And it'll be simply because of the craziness and the expectations that we've had all year that neither of these two teams, it would be Purdue, Illinois, or or Minnesota. Were, well, Purdue or Illinois at the back half, Purdue and Minnesota the first half of the season, we were expecting those to be the teams. And then all of a sudden, the Nebraska. most... Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll take credit for that one. Yeah, <laughs> but those, my point being is pressuring. on this... It, all this craziness, it's going to come out to be well, just a regular year. Yep. That's, but boy, that's my thought about it. This is going to be fun to watch unravel tomorrow for the Heartland <laughs> Trophy and maybe the Big Ten West. All right, we need to hit the halftime break. We'll be back to talk a little hoops and get to our headlines. Hoop, hoop. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm Richie. I'm Little Matt. And here in the 500 Section Lounge, we are three dads who host a family-friendly weekly podcast. Yep, we laugh, we go on tangents, and we talk to great guests. Tangents? I, I don't know what you're talking about with that. You know, there are gases leaking. Uh, all right, all right, okay. Yeah, we have legendary conversations from sports to history and everything in between. So be on the lookout for what we do next. And always be there to grab, grab a listen. listen. This is Beer in Front. Every week I'll talk about a beer that maybe we've forgotten along the way while we get those check-ins and badges. Being the Chicago beer guy, I'll also talk about great craft beer in the city of Chicago. And remember, sometimes the beer in front of you is the best one yet. That's Beer in Front, part of the Odd Pods Media Network. All right, time for the third quarter. We'll talk a little basketball here. As we mentioned at the top, that uh, basketball is underway and going, but so far there haven't been a ton of games to kind of really evaluate where we're at. But that changes a little bit tonight, folks, because Veterans Day on the aircraft carrier, the USS Abraham Lincoln, it's Michigan State taking on number two Gonzaga. Again, we talk about weather playing a part of it. That, that might play a little part of it in San Diego for this game. The winds, uh, according to yesterday, as it was reported, a little high. So we'll kind of see what, what shakes will out there. Will they move that to a, an arena if that happens, or will they postpone it to a different get day? I think if it got too high, but I'm also guessing the standard for too high would be fairly extreme. So I, I think we're going to be seeing it. <laughs> you Do you want a, a free throw? Excuse me. In the late in the second half, being blown off center because of the wind. Get ready for a lot of just <coughs> licking mm -hmm. your fingers, sticking it up in the air. Let's see, angle <laughs> two inches left. No, but um, it, it should yeah, that's, be. That's what we need. We need athletes doing geometry in game. 
See, hey, that, that'll be the true test. Who is really the smartest school at the end of the day? Is it Gonzaga? Is it Michigan State? The real test of brains and bronze. The nerds will prevail in this one. No, but anyway. Yes. Uh, but, but Michigan State, Gonzaga, we get a good basketball game. Finally, we've been kind of dying for this. There's um, been nothing. Like yeah. nationwide, it's just been drubbing of drubbing of drubbings. It's just ugh. you remember when the Champions Classic kicked everything off? Like I, yeah. I kind of wish we would go back to that because that was a celebration of basketball. This is just kind of a a sad whimper of an unveiling of basketball. But the Champions Classic will still come up here in just three days, so we still have it. I just wish it was our first game, but nonetheless, it would be nice. Michigan State and Gonzaga. Tipping it off here tonight from the USS Abraham Lincoln as uh, Tony gets around. Tony, so give me as much noise as you want. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I knew. I thought we were maybe gonna move past it, but we started laughing, so we had to draw attention to it. Um, yeah, it is what but, it is. So the, the the point back to it. Gonzaga comes in second in the country now. Both of these teams had a secret scrimmage against Tennessee, Michigan State. Kept it a little bit closer to Tennessee than what Gonzaga did. What do we think about this one tonight, Michigan State and Gonzaga? Oh, I go first? Okay. Yeah, Either. sorry. Um, my cat ended up actually scaring the broomstick down the stairs, which then in turn knocked another part. And then as I'm going down, I hit the under part of the stairs. I'm like... <laughs> awesome, I'm going to get knocked out on show. You but almost anyway. saw me spit coffee. <laughs> Um, no, it'll, this is one of those, I kind of expect a true Tom Izzo, just surprise win against, you know, Gonzaga. And really that's, that's the thing I've always heard the knock on Gonzaga is they're, they're kind of like the Alabamas of, you know, college basketball. They set up a lot of cupcake schedules and whatnot, as far as easy wins against easy opponents. So this is going to be really a true early on test of how good can Gonzaga's you know basketball team be against you know one of the one of the longest tenure coaches in college basketball, one of the most really as it stands right now successful Big Ten coaches in you know college basketball with Tom Izzo because he's the last one to have won a national championship for the Big Ten in Michigan State. So to me, it'll be interesting. I I think this will be a very close game. Uh, just because of the wins, I expect Iowa to probably recruit Iowa? a lot of these guys oh. uh, to be <laughs> offense because, because of how well they're going to be moving and throwing the ball. I expect Iowa to be heavily recruiting a lot of Michigan State basketball players to come play football for them. But that, that's just what I expect. Sam? I think I think Gonzaga wins by double digits, and and it's not a, a a knock on Michigan State. I still think they're trying to find what they are. Gonzaga, we know what they are. Like they've added pieces, and they didn't lose a ton. I mean, they got Drew Timmy back. Like he, yep. he was a National Player of the Year finalist last year. So I, I think we know what Gonzaga is. And I think that is in and of itself at the start of a season against a, a formidable opponent is a big plus in their side. Michigan State, I think if they were to play in the tournament, let's say, it might be a lot closer uh, because Michigan State's going to have that chance to work their way into finding more what they are, fine-tune things that they've had to adjust. 
there's not a much of an adjustment period for a team that's been <clears> together for the most part for the better part of you know three plus years. So I, I think Gonzaga wins this game probably pretty convincingly. Now I am I'm gonna be wrong probably. I I'm used to that. But I, I honestly, the way I look at this game, I, I think they're just, they're already there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and I think it's interesting, too, when you talk about Michigan State, because, again, there's not much of a body of work to, to work off of for this year for all teams. And so what we can work off of is the season opener with Northern Arizona for Michigan State, where the backcourt didn't play that well, and Michigan State still handedly won. I think that boded maybe a little bit of confidence that when Walker and Hogard are a little bit more into the scoring mode, Walker just couldn't find shots in that season opener. Like that's going to boost that team. But also, Northern Arizona got a little too much in the paint for comfort. If you're a Michigan State fan, mm-hmm. they're able to get some rebounds in there. They're able to score in the paint. And as the the competition goes from six foot whatever lumberjacks to Drew Timmy and some seven footers like that gives you reason for concern. So I'm interested to see what ends up happening in this one uh, here tonight Uh, for uh, Big Ten women's basketball. There's a good game coming up tonight as well. Just about a half hour before that number 17 Maryland will host number one South Carolina. That's at six o'clock. So a top 17 matchup in women's basketball. That's going to be one to pay attention to as well because we haven't had a lot of great Big Ten women's basketball uh, events so far. Well, Ohio State did beat Tennessee. Yes, that that, I'd say that's probably the one. But that was amazing. You're right. Taylor Mikesell came out in that third quarter and just, I mean, she dropped the mic. Like, it was Mm -hmm. incredible what she did. I mean, yep. it was it was something else. So Ohio State kind of put the country on notice with that win where they – I'm going to pull up that third quarter scoring, and I'll do so Can in a moment. Can I ask a question while you're doing that? Yes. When are the men's going to – when are the men's games going to move to four quarters rather than two halves? <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly – It I only makes sense. I, mm-hmm. It really no. does. Yeah. Honestly, I would have thought it would have happened kind of by yeah. now. So I really don't have a great answer for you there. Wow. Um, it, it just it makes sense because in high school, you play by quarters in yep. the pros. You play by quarters in every other facet of the game of basketball, men's and women's, except for men's college. They play by quarters. And I just. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah, which that, that is also weird, too, because you would. You would think it to me, it also makes the game go a lot faster, which really, if you think about it, you want more time allotted for some of these games, because to me, like when they have a first half, like and it's what, 20 minutes each half. Mm -hmm. It's like every four minutes of game time, you've got a media timeout. Yeah, you've got two of those built in if you go, you know, to quarters. Yeah. So to me, that that would make the most sense of if they um, if they extended it over to quarters. But. I don't know. Just That's a just side me. note. I'm. I've always. I've once. Once the women went that way, I was wondering why in the world haven't the men done this yet? Yeah. And still. <laughs> no, it's so it's a fair point. Still researching. Um. And and I will say too. Real yeah. Quick, well, I, I got a couple of nuggets I can start dropping. Go ahead. I say there there is kind of two potentially bad parts about tonight because at least the possibility is there. You know, every Big Ten men's and women's team, even though they haven't played a whole lot of, you know, 
really stiff competition with the exception of Ohio State, they're undefeated right now. So, I mean. Big Ten's the best league in the country on both sides of the ball. Men's so. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, I think Northwestern women did lose one, but besides that, you're you're correct. So, the Big Ten has oh, one loss. Great. And the way, way to have your side. big brain working. Of course. Jeez. Of course, it's Northwest. I know. Gosh. <laughs> did, did, All right. So guys... here, looking at this. Oh, sorry. Um, I was say, did you guys see how Ohio State kind of slighted Northwestern a little bit when they're like, man, this locker room is terrible. It's like, yeah, Northwestern is not exactly like a football powerhouse. They could just donate <laughs> all this money to rebuilding their stadium. In a few years, they room. will. In yeah. a few years, they will. So. But anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. No, you're good. So in the third quarter, Ohio State women's basketball outscored Tennessee 30-13. to 13. Good Lord. And for the entire game, the entire game, Ohio State forced 29 Lady Vault turnovers. And Ohio State also, well, Taylor Mikesell, who we mentioned, 20 of her 25 points came in that second half. So, like, Ohio State in that second half really flexed its muscle and showed that this could be a legit contender. Now, keep in mind, the Big Ten women's basketball side has six teams ranked in the AP Top 25. That's the most out of any conference. So you're seeing some of the best basketball you're going to find in the country when you tune in each night to Big Ten women's basketball. And as we said, number 17, Maryland hosts number one, South Carolina tonight. On the men's side, you have Michigan State Gonzaga with the Veterans Day special, the aircraft carrier game. Also a game that you might just want to kind of keep a, a little bit of a side eye on, Michigan and Eastern Michigan in men's basketball. Sam's already got it down. He's got the side eye going. You know why? Because over there with the Eagles is Amani Bates. And Amani Bates at once was the number one prospect in the country. Had a bit of a rocky road. He started at Memphis last year. Things have not gone quite the way everybody expected on the floor or off the floor he's at eastern michigan now and uh he might put on a show against the wolverines but it's certainly one that you might just want to pay a little bit of attention to to see what kind of comes from that game but uh that's kind of where we're at with basketball here in the early going get exciting because we're gonna get going here in it you know in the season Mm -hmm. and and i think even though the, the men's side is kind of down, I think it's still going to be a really exciting season. Oh, yeah. basketball always is. Always, yeah. always is. True. true. Selfishly my favorite time. All right. Yep. Me too. Let's, let's go ahead and move to the fourth quarter and get to our headlines. Fourth quarter. Way to go, Tony. You ruined uh, it. There you I go. Know, I'm sorry. I, I don't I'm know if Tony safely can, so don't. <laughs> Um, but all right, let's get to our headlines. And as always, we'll start if we safely can, uh, yes, with Tony in the Tony Tribune. What do we got? So that's actually what I was doing. I was double checking to make sure that I at least appear semi intelligent when I say this. Um, so we, we've all kind of talked about the transfer portal and everybody always has kind of their, their own takes on whether or not the transfer portal was good. Transfer portal's not good. I think we're kind of seeing a little bit more now. Some of these more powerhouse teams, you know, they're they're struggling against some of these teams that they would probably beat, you know, whole-handedly, you know, any other time uh, just because of the transfer portal. <clears throat> One name to potentially watch, um, and there's a reason why I say it, because who knows, maybe maybe it's a Kenneth Walker type type player. His name is Carson Steele. 
He plays for the Ball State Cardinals. And there is a very high potential that he might enter the transfer portal. And I say that because he's rushed for almost 1,300 yards this season and 12 touchdowns. Just this season, he has 441 carries in his collegiate career. So, and I mean, this is at Ball State of all teams. So I say, huh? Easy. I went, I went to Ball State, mister. Well, I mean, come on. Are, are we really expecting them to, to do anything in, in football? I'm They're sorry. expected to make it to a bowl game. Of course, if you have a winning record, you're going to make a bowl game anymore. Exactly. So that that's my thing is who knows. I, I could very easily see them, you know, him transferring out. I don't know where he would go. There's no, like, leak. He may not even leave Ball State. But, I mean, for somebody that talented to be able to do that, you know, anywhere in any collegiate sport, especially in division one is pretty impressive. So I, I would say, keep an eye on Carson Steele. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely have to, to keep that one highlighted when we keep hitting the refresh button, if he ends up yes. in the portal, um, <laughs> Sam Sprunger and the Sam Sentinel. What do well, we got? Let, let me flip it around here. There Dalton. Jeez. There you go. Getting all, <laughs> getting all jumpy here. Now I, I'm going to refer back to a, uh, uh, a picture that was tweeted out by Coach John Calipari in uh, from Kentucky. Uh, I believe it was during one of their. Uh, it, it was probably in one of their exhibition games. But there, there was a gentleman and his son sitting on the side uh, sideline, and the kid looks super excited to be there, and the dad looks like the dirtiest person you could ever imagine. And I don't mean like, you know, in a weird way, like he is just covered in dirt. He's wearing a uniform. And uh, John Calipari uh, tweeted out, my family's American dream started in Clarksburg, West Virginia coal mine. So this picture hits home. From what I've been told after his shift, he, he raced home to be with his son and watch our team. Don't know who this is, but I have tickets for him and his family at Rupp Arena to be treated as VIPs. Those are the moves that I love. I don't don't care what you say about John, John Calipari. Uh, he does have a human side, and he is very he he can be generous. Uh, to me, this this is a testament to show that you know those parents that have to work and bust their butts, but still do their their things for their kids should be rewarded and. Uh, this is a quick one, but I really wanted to, you know, say thank you to Coach Calipari because there this goes unnoticed many, many times, and uh, good, good on on Coach to be able to uh, have this hit home and then also be able to make make good on something uh, that deserves to be rewarded. So uh, that's it. That's a quick one, but that that it, it's definitely a good one. It's one that kind of restores your faith a little bit in humanity. And it's, uh, yeah. to your point, a really, really great gesture by Kentucky and John. Um, for mine, I kind of want to bring a full circle and, and kind of uh, along the theme of thank you and gratitude. Tony mentioned it at the top, but today is Veterans Day. And yes. I think we all have veterans that are a part of our lives that we think of. My stepfather, who for all purposes is really my my dad was a marine he served tony served thank you tony for your service uh tony was in the the air force um and and i really want to bring it in to the big 10 here for a moment because 
last night I was at the Breslin Center, which of course is the home for Michigan State basketball, men's and women's, and also for MSU volleyball. But I, I noticed as I was walking in the concourse, on the side wall, there was a prisoner of war missing in action emblem. And there was a chair in front of that. And it also had the same emblem on it. And I, I'll try and show it here. I don't know if anybody can see this, if that's bad quality, if you can't really oh, see it good. that well. Okay. Yeah, that looks good. And we have it on social media too. So check out the, the handle at Dalton Shetler and, and you'll see it there. But I want to read to you what the wall says just above the seat. It says, you are not forgotten. Since World War I, more than 81,000 American soldiers are unaccounted for. This unoccupied seat is dedicated to the memory of these brave service members and symbolizes that there will always be a place in Breslin Center awaiting their return. Dedicated November 11th, 2022, Breslin Center, Michigan State University. I thought, and I know it's Military Appreciation Week for all these different universities, and they're all trying to do something special. I thought this was just an incredible gesture that just was an absolute home run. Something you don't necessarily need to do. I mean, you're not required as a university or an athletic department to do something like that. But much to the restoring faith in, in mankind and humanity point where we're kind of pounding on, that really makes you feel good about some of the folks that you have in mind that have helped serve uh, the United States of America. So really special there. Well, and it's yeah. one of those that no matter how you feel politically, those people are still standing on the, on the line, defending your ability to disagree with one another, with the way the government operates and to demean them in any way is absolutely tragic because you're basically spitting in the face of your ability to speak your mind. And if there's anybody that should never be, uh, denigrated or put down it's those that defend our country and mm -hmm. and it's a very special thing that everybody uh, does when they commit to the military and and it, it, it's really important that uh, uh, no matter what what you feel you should probably still respect those that are defending our country yeah and it, it is really cool too just so everybody is aware because um, <clears throat> I did have to talk about this at one point uh, to a lot of people that didn't know there is a national POW MIA agency um, that is specifically dedicated, that is their lifelong mission, goal, and jobs. Uh, they actually go out and they search for a lot of these missing uh, POWs, MIAs. They've actually managed to be able to bring home thousands of unidentified remains, get them identified through new DNA testing and whatnot and be able to get them reunited back with their families and get them back home where they belong. So yeah, just, just, just a little bit of a of a fact of knowledge for people to know of what what also kind of goes along with that chair of you know it's not just not just a way to remember them and honor them but that people are still searching for them to try to bring those bring those men and women both home that's amazing i mean that's that's truly just amazing so that's uh those are our headlines tony thank you so much for your service all the veterans yes, out you. there thank you so much for your service and uh on our way out sam you want to hit us with the socials where can the yes. people find us yes sir we've got uh the the tweeter the <laughs> uh tiktoks and the instagram uh it's at big 10 plus four spell out the plus don't put the uh the little plus sign uh big 10 plus four doesn't matter how you do the plus spell it out put the plus sign doesn't matter for facebook find us on oddpodsmedia.com along with the other family uh, family of shows 
uh, for Odd Pods Media. Uh, then every week, find us streaming on ASAP Network. All right. So that'll do it for us for another edition of Big Ten Plus Four. Tony Howlandsworth, Sam Sprunger, and for one final time, uh, my name being Dalton Shetler. Thank you all so much for joining us. And until next time, so long. See ya. Bye.